All right, here we are, second to last. Today we're talking about the helmet of salvation. We've gone through each piece, and I encourage you, if you've missed any single weeks, you can go back and listen online if you want to watch the video, or if you're a podcaster, we are on Apple Podcast. If you just look up Vertical Church, you can follow along that way. Uh, but we go through each piece because we believe them to be truths, not just like small, little, cute children's church illustrations. Paul, when he's giving us this, is like, hey, these are truths that you need to know to arm yourself, to stand firm, to be ready as we walk in uh, spiritual warfare. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we've read it every week, but it's important for us to continue to look at it. Verse 13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you might be able to stand your ground. After you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul is sitting in jail as he's writing this inspired by God. He's writing us this truth, and he's looking out at a Roman guard, and he's looking at all these pieces, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is revealing to him, like, hey, here's the truth that I want my people to know. So you got to think 2,000 years from there, God's desire is that you understand something about each piece. We're going to look at these truths as, as not just like a sermon to be inspired by, but these truths are truths that help navigate our life, that set us on a direction to live out the purposes that God has for us. Amen. And so helmets have been around forever. Helmets, you know, are not anything unusual. We have all sorts of different kinds of helmets. You have a construction helmet, cowboy hat helmet. you got all these things. My sister grew up riding horses, and so my parents made sure uh, that she wore a helmet when she rode her horse. They wanted to make sure she was safe. It wasn't until last year, and I'm 38 years old, that I bought my first bicycle riding helmet, which then I realized, wait a second, I rode bikes and built homemade jumps out of wood when I didn't know what I was doing, and my brother and I launched our bikes off wood jumps all day, every day, and my parents not once told me to put a helmet on, but my sister had a helmet to wear. And so I now understand where I rank in the terms of our, of our family and my, my brother and sister. Yeah, she don't care. That's my mom. Oh, yeah, whatever. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> and we'll leave that alone because my sister watches online. So I don't want to. She already thinks she's the golden child. She's not. She's just the oldest child. But helmets aren't like a new concept. They've been around for, forever and ever. And there's truths that come from this helmet that we're going to talk about. And so in the natural, we understand that helmets have purposes, but spiritually, we're here to understand the truth of this helmet of salvation. It does serve a purpose for us when our walk with the Lord. And so as you know, each week as we, as we have put together uh, each piece, I, I thought, man, I would really like to be able to illustrate each piece. And so the first week, uh, we, we put on the belt of truth, and it's like a weightlifting belt. It stabilizes your cross. Like, who do I know that weightlifts? And I said, oh, Vanessa, she's into that. And then I said, well, what about a bulletproof vest? Who would have that? Oh, yeah, Vanessa would have that. And then I needed somebody who would have, like, fighting shoes. Like, who, who was a former, like, cage fighter? But, oh, of course, Vanessa. And so this week, I asked Vanessa to bring us the helmet of salvation. And unfortunately, oh, yeah, that's, that's not it. I assure you. I assure you, let me see this for one second, yeah. See, it's, it's really clean because they barely have won any championships. So yeah, get that out of here. Let's go, yeah. Uh, Lord, forgive me, I have unclean hands. <laughs> I, I'm not worthy of this 
moment. Those of you that don't know, Vanessa and her husband, uh, they have graduated from Michigan State. They're Michigan State graduates. And, uh, you know, we have forgiven them for that. They spent a time in the valley, the East Landfill, I mean East Lansing. But the word does say that God does rise us up from the pit, doesn't he? He sets our feet on higher ground. He's, he's taken them from that. But I said to Vanessa, I was like, hey, I, I need like a helmet of salvation. Do you have anything? And she said, oh, yeah. But I think she misunderstood me because she brought me the helmet of Spartan Nation. And I actually have it here today. This is it. This is the helmet of Spartan Nation. And, uh, and so yeah, it's the helmet of Spartan Nation here. And so I begin to check it out. Of course, you know, Spartan Nation, you know, Sparty, really you lowercase the S in the rest spells party because that's East Lansing. Sparty. So, of course, they have a natty ice over there. And then uh, it's Bush beer. You betcha, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about? You, uh, I don't. I don't know any of that. I don't know anything about these. Uh, I truly didn't get these from Vanessa. Of course, she wouldn't have these things there. Uh, I got them out of Jess's car. And so <laughs> I needed a prop for that, too. So that's where those came from. Just kidding. We're talking about salvation because we need to be saved from some things. Can I get an amen today? And so, yeah, give it up for Nessa. Nessa up here messing with us today. She's, uh, she's going to go spread false revelation to your kids about Sparty being the better team. But I guess we find out this weekend, right? Go Blue. You know, I put on Facebook that I was going to make fun of Michigan State a little bit, and all you guys wore your Sparty shirts in here. And if it doesn't go your way next week, I hope to see those shirts again. Just make sure you show up. I don't want to see low attendance next week. If it doesn't go good, I just need to let you know I'm preaching at another church next week. I have an engagement. I'm not going to be just kidding. Put this helmet up here. So let's get back to the truth of it. And so this helmet here, the Bible's brilliant. It's so amazing how everything works together perfectly. And so this helmet serves such a great purpose. There's two things that really come from this helmet, uh, identity and protection, or you could use the word safety. The thing on the top there is not so that they could sweep the floor or keep things clean. That actually was uh, an identifier for them. They could look out over a field at their troops and they could uh, look and see who was theirs or where they had people in place. They could help identify. There was identity that came with this helmet that they would have put on. And of course, there's safety. Their head was protected. There was things that were uh, made sure to keep safe. And so when Paul's writing to us and he's saying, hey, in spiritual battle, the helmet of salvation serves purpose for you. It serves two great purposes. One, in helping us make sure we know our identity. Salvation makes sure that we know who we are. You know, one of the greatest thoughts in the the human heart and the the minds of uh, people are this, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Am I just here to live on earth and go through the motions and eventually die one day? Or what is my purpose? Well, salvation fulfills our purpose and our identity. Can I get an amen? So the helmet of salvation, when we put on salvation, when we put on that, it gives you your identity and your marker, but then it also brings protection. When we understand what a salvation has done, when we understand what it, what it fulfills in our life, that brings great safety to you. So we're going to look at those two things. Salvation, I wrote it down like this. Salvation is God's life-changing power to transform you. Salvation is about transformation. God wants to bring transformation in your life. You're not meant to stay the way that you used to. And so when we have a helmet of salvation, when we're walking what God's called us to, it ought to be changing our lives. The helmet of salvation, again, provides us with identity and safety. Now, Paul is assuming, he's gone through all the list, he's assuming that you've already been saved. 
because he's going through the list and he says, make sure you put on your helmet of salvation. He's making the assumption that you've already been saved and put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. But then he continues to talk about salvation and working salvation. And so it's a truth that we first have to look at right now, which is the idea of salvation, but then working out our salvation. I told you a couple weeks ago that you're a multiple personality, you're a multiple personality being. Some of you are like, I know that's true. I'd say it to you like this today. Uh, Everybody in here, where you're sitting right now, everybody in here is a complex being. Some of you are like, oh, he is really complex. Let me tell you. We're all made up of three different parts. You're a really complex being. You're what would be called in theology, you're a triune being. See, when the scripture says that we're made in God's image, how many of you know God is triune? There's God the Father, His Son Jesus, and there's the Holy Spirit. Well, our being is made the same way. We are spirit, soul, and body. You have a spirit that when you get saved is automatically right away saved. And it spends eternity in heaven. You are automatically fully saved. Your spirit is saved. But then you have a soul, your mind, will, and emotions. You have a soul. And then you have your physical body. What Paul is beginning to teach us, and we're going to look at for the next few minutes, is salvation is secured, but then salvation is worked out for the rest of the time that we're here on earth in our souls, mind, will, and emotions, in our body. It has to continually be working out this salvation. Everybody say, I got it. Each part is affected differently when you get saved. Your spirit is automatically transformed, but your soul and your body will still have a struggle. And so Paul's saying, put on that helmet of salvation because it brings you proper identity as you're working it out, but also brings you safety and covering. Uh, We just sang it this morning. God loves you just the way you are. You can never be more loved by God than you are right now. But God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you in that place. What does he want us to do? He wants us to continually grow and grow and transform and be transformed. That's the work of salvation. Can I get an amen? Our mind needs to be saved, or as we're going to read in a minute, continue to be renewed. So Paul's saying, put on that helmet of salvation so your identity is proper and so that you have safety and protection in the mind of Christ. I wrote it down like this. Sometimes we can't control our body what we're doing, the decisions we're making, because we haven't transformed our mind. We have our spirit, but then you have your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and then our body lines up in all that. So I wrote it down like this. Salvation of our spirit is automatic, but salvation of our soul takes work. Philippians 2.12 says it like this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my present, but now much more in my absence, then it says this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Our spirit is saved. That's automatic. But then the rest of it, we need to allow it to affect our lives, bring change. You know, that's why it's called repentance. You guys know that church word, repentance? To repent means to say, I was going one way. To repent means 180. Hold on, I'm going to go now in a new direction. Why? Because you're letting the transformation of salvation take place. Hey, I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to go this way because it's being worked out in my life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Wrote it down like this. You should too. It says this. I wrote this. Where the mind goes, the man follows. Whatever we allow to be in our head, to be in our mind, to be in our thought space is eventually where our life leads. So when you think, oh, I'm never enough. I'm not good enough. I just, I, I'm not ever going to have what it takes. You start to follow a trajectory of you're not good enough. 
Or you begin to think, oh, I'll never be accepted. I'll never fit in. They're never going to want me around. You begin to live a life that is never accepted and you never fit in. Why? Because you've allowed your mind to go that way. Or when we allow pride to be high in our life and we have thoughts that are like this, I'm better than this. I don't need to serve and I don't need to get down low and help other people and think I'm up here. Then your mind begets haughty and prideful. And how many know the scripture says you're setting yourself up for a fall? We need to be renewed. We need to be transformed. Our identity needs to line up with salvation. If we have thoughts like this, well, oh, we're never going to have enough. Oh, the the number one thing in my mind is like how we're going to lack and how we're not going to have enough. And so we worry about not having enough. And then you live a lifestyle that leads you into a life of scarcity and fear and you don't have enough. Some of us, which is a big one, is we live through life. And especially as you age, you begin to think I'm missing out. Oh, I wish it could be like this, or I wish I could be involved in that, or I wish I could go do that like everybody else. And so the enemy whispers, changing your identity. Oh, you're missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out. And so that's why we got to put on that helmet of salvation to make sure our identity lines up so our thoughts are right. Can I get an amen? That's why Proverbs 23, 7 says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever you're allowing, whatever you're letting grow, whatever you're letting just go on in your mind, that's why the enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. He's trying to do what? He's trying to mess up all of those thoughts because if he can get your thoughts and your heart wrong, your actions will be wrong. I wrote it down like this. If you're upset with the actions of your life, you need to examine the thought patterns of your life. We've got to put on that helmet of salvation and get our identity right in God so that our, our thinking is correct. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I love the aggression in this verse. It says this, we demolish arguments. We don't even play around with them. We demolish arguments and every pretension that has set itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Two things I want us to understand here. That scripture there, it says, it says when we take captive, uh, That's an aggressive word. When you're taking something captive, you wouldn't see in somebody in battle go up to the person that they're trying to seize, that they're trying to capture. Uh, You wouldn't see someone walk up to him and say, like, hey, um, we're just wondering if you wouldn't mind going with us. We're we're trying to capture you, trying to take you captured. You know, if you're in a good mood, maybe you want to come along, get in this carriage. We're going to take you away and make you a prisoner. No, when you seize something, when you, the, the translation here of taking captive is a very aggressive seize of your enemy meaning you're pursuing with passion. You're saying this, this thing that's not lining up with my identity, I'm going to aggressively take it, seize it, hold control of it. And I think too much as Christians, we say, well, you know, I got this insecurity or this fear. And, you know, if God feels like delivering it from... No, no, take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. Can I get him into today? Uh, sometimes as a parent, we all have different levels of parenting. There's kind of your things aren't real serious parenting, you're like, hey, bud, oh, please don't do that. You know, that's not a good idea. Oh, honey, don't do that. That's not a good thing. But then there's times, not my kids, just your kids, because my kids are pastor's kids and they're perfect. They never do anything wrong. <laughs> and uh, then there's times where you got to kind of go to the next level. Uh, maybe your kids throw something at you or hits a sibling or says something really aggressively back to you. And you say, oh, oh okay, I'm about to make you obedient. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? 
You take a moment and you go, oh, okay, this has gotten serious. I, I need to make sure you understand you're going to be obedient in this moment. And that's what the scripture is saying. It's saying aggressively we seize thoughts that don't line up with our identity in God and we make them obedient to Christ. Can I get an amen? Why? Because you have authority. Because God's given you the authority and the ability to do that. Your life follows the directions of your strongest thoughts. Whatever you're allowing to grow and get bigger in your life, in your thoughts, your life is going to follow those things. So Paul, again, is saying that helmet of salvation, you make sure you put that on. Why? So that your thoughts and your identity line up with what God has. It's actually amazing how the accuser of the brethren can come in and just mess and twist our thoughts. In the garden, coming in, saying to Adam and Eve, has God really said, and he's kind of picking on the identity and the heart and the nature of God. Oh, is God some God who's trying to hold back from you? Why wouldn't he let you eat that tree? What's going on here with this God guy? And he's starting to like, what, tear apart this structure that is God. And so you begin to listen. Many times in our lives, we begin to believe the lies of the enemy over things that we once used to pray for. God, if you could just give us kids off, oh, if, if we could have kids. And now you're in life like, I don't know if I should be a parent. I don't know if I should. Because the accuser of the brethren is just messing with you, messing with you. That job that you were working in, that you were once praying for, and now you're in it. And you're going, oh, God, this job. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren is trying to derail you. Are you with me? That marriage, oh, God, I just pray that you bring me Mr. Dreamy. And you got Mr. Dreamy. But then sometimes you look at him and he doesn't look like Mr. Dreamy. Not in my house, obviously, but some of your house. <laughs> And you're going like, what's going on with this marriage? What's this thing? What's the accuser of the brother? And you got you to gotta, you gotta know, you know, these are things I prayed for, these kids, this job, this dream. It happens in church. You come in, it's, oh, this church, I'm so glad we found this church. We found our home. This is our place that God called us to. And then maybe I say something you don't like or somebody doesn't treat you well or you don't get that. And then all of a sudden the enemy starts accusing you. And, and so you stop coming to church less and you, and you get disconnected. And then years go by and all of a sudden you're completely out of church. You know what I'm talking about? It's because we haven't taken captive the thoughts. So God is saying, pay attention to these things. Can I get an amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word renewing here means like remodel. And so the verse is saying this, it's saying, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but do a remodel in your mind. Meaning a remodel is like you come into a house, you're like, oh, that structure is not good. That's not very good anymore. We got to pull this out and move this and secure this. And so the scripture is saying there's times in your life because of what the, what the world is trying to do to you, what the world is trying to put in you and get you to think and get you to think, oh, no, you got to remodel that. That's got to get gutted. That's got to get moved. That's got to get secured. Are oh, you understand what I'm talking about? So we got to be a people who say, the helmet of salvation helps me remodel the way that I think. When I understand my identity through salvation and through what the work of the cross has done, I can now remodel my thinking. Two points for you, and then we'll be out of here. Point number one is this, write it down. Point number one is we need to think differently about who we are. You need to think differently about who you are because you have salvation. You might be in here and say, man, Pastor Josh, I don't. I've never prayed that prayer. I've never prayed a prayer of salvation. I'm so excited for you because you'll have that opportunity at the end of this service. But if you're here and you say, man, yeah, I've prayed that prayer, then what I'm speaking to you about is this. You have the opportunity to think differently about you, who you are by putting on that helmet of salvation. 
It means this, like I just mentioned a minute ago, identity is always attacked by our enemy. He came into the garden. He attacked identity. He comes into our lives. He attacks identity. He accuses us. So he begets us to think things like this. You're unworthy. You're not going to be able to do what God has called you to do. You won't be able to fill your purpose, fulfill your purposes because you're just not good enough. You're not able. You didn't come from the right family. Or maybe the accuser tells you things like, hey, you're just too old. You've missed your time. Your moment's gone. You're not going to be able to make it. It's too far gone. Or maybe they say to you, you're too young. Ah, come on. You're not developed enough. You're not going to be able to lead people. You're too young. Or you're not smart enough. You don't have the education. Or you don't have the resources to step out in what God's called you to do. The enemy is always attacking. That's why the helmet of salvation helps us do what? Think differently about who we are. Because truly what we are is we are heirs of Christ. Are you with me? We're people who've been redeemed and restored. Let me talk to parents for just a second. We have this idea of good parenting that goes like this. Oh, my kids. I want to make sure my kids are successful. I want to make sure that they're good. So we put a lot of emphasis on making sure they're smart. Oh, I got to make sure they get the right education. I got to make sure they're doing their homework. I got to make sure they're doing all the right things. So we care so much about making sure they're smart. Or athletics. Hey, we have an athletic gene. We got to make sure our kids play sports. Maybe it can get them into college. We got to focus on their, you know, coach said that there's a lot of promise. We better make sure they're committed to everything in sports. And so we make that a priority. Or popularity. Oh, you know, I just don't want my kids to go through what I went through in high school. I want to make sure they have friends and I want to make sure they're popular. And we put all of this emphasis on those kind of things. But the reality is the most important thing you can do for their kid is make sure they understand their identity in Christ. Making sure that they put on the identity. Because I tell you something, the world is working overtime to make sure they put their identity in your kids. They're going to make sure their agenda and their platforms and their thoughts are being put on your kids. That's why it's so important that your mission needs to be to make sure they know and understand their identity. And it comes through us understanding that this helmet of salvation. Now, here's what concerns me. God's word is insanely clear about our identity in him. If you want to know about your identity, if you want to know how to teach your kids about their identity, you need to know God's word. But the Barna Research Group says over 70% of Christians are biblically illiterate. So we're up against all these agendas of the world, and we're trying to put the identity of Christ in our kids, and we don't know anything about it. I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty or feel bad, but this is why we do read through the Bible in a year plan. This is why we have women's study and men's study and all the things that we offer, not for your entertainment, but so that we can understand who we are in God. Can I get an amen? Because the world tries to put an identity on you, and they do it by way of labels. Sometimes it's in a kind way. Sometimes it's in a negative way. But have you ever been told, oh, yeah, and we do this to our kids. Oh, this is our, this is our shy one. This is our outgoing one. Oh, this is our fun one, right? You've heard me. And we put all these things. Sometimes they're good intention. Oh, this is, this is our aggressive one. This is our, and, we put, and the world puts all these labels on you. But the problem is if we, if we identify with the labels, we might miss the purpose that God has for us. God might call you into something bold and you say, no, no, no I've always been told I'm shy. You say, oh, God might be calling you into speaking in front of people and being able to share and being able to speak your heart. Oh, no, no, that's not me because I'm not a public speaker. Or we might be somebody who's God's calling you to lead in the area of business or teaching or something like that. You say, oh, no, no, that's not me. I don't do well with confrontation. I can never lead people. No, no, you need to align yourself up with the identity of Christ. He's made you the head and not the tail. Can I get an amen? And so we got to be careful with these labels. Um, I thought about all in scripture. Think about how awkward this is. All throughout scripture, you would hear people share the label 
of the people in Scripture. You say, oh, here comes the woman with the issue of blood. That's how she was known. Hey, everybody, here comes the woman with the issue of blood. Oh, over there, look, there's blind Bartimaeus. He was known by his fault. Oh, there's blind Bartimaeus over there. There's a guy in Scripture called Demoniac. That's what they called him. Oh, be careful of the guy over there. Hey, watch out for Uncle Demoniac over there. Don't sit by him, right? No, that's not funny? Okay, that's fine. I thought it was funny. But the, and so this, this label, that's literally how they were called. They were called by their fault. And Jesus shows up, which is really cool, with Simon Peter. His name was Simon. He changes his name to Peter. But what does he do? He basically relabels him. He says, no, no, from now on, you're going to be called the rock, my rock, who I'm going to, what, build my church on. Why? Because God understands the importance of lining up our identity in Christ. Can I get an amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Listen, your issue is not your identity. You're not divorce guy. You're not bankrupt guy. You're not anger guy. You're not addiction guy. Failure is an event, not a person. So I don't care what's happened to you or what the mishap has been or however you may have fallen. It is not who you are. Can I get an amen? What you are is chosen, appointed, redeemed, called, victorious, forgiven, healed, righteous. Are you with me today? That's our identity in Christ. And I could go on and on and on. You aren't the event. You aren't the failure. You are the righteousness of God. Can I get amen? Amen. Point number two is this. Because of the first one and now the second one, we know that we, we we can think different about what we do. We thought different about who we are. And because we're different in who we are, we now can turn that into action. Do you know that God has right and wrong ways to do things? Uh, when I was a youth pastor, uh, the teenagers used to say to me all the time, oh man, Christianity, it's so full of rules. You know, God's trying to take the fun out of everything. There's so many rules. And what's this? But the reality is that God has more promises for your life than he does rules or restrictions. And any kind of restriction that God puts in place, he's doing it out of love. Because Jesus comes up on the scene and says, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. He's saying, I've come to show you the better way to live. Anytime God says, hey, don't do something, it's because it's not good for you to do. You know, it's like if you came over to my house and I was like, yeah, hey, you know, enjoy. Thanks for house, you know, watching our house or whatever your house sitting. Uh, just make sure you can have whatever you want in the house. You know, just make sure that jar of cyanide in the refrigerator, make sure you don't drink that. But that may be a hate-filled, restricting person. Oh, there's Josh again. Try not let us have any fun. No, that, that's out of love. Like, don't do that. And so that's what God is saying to us. Like, no, 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 I've, I've shown you a way to live. There's a path for you to follow. And it comes out of this place of love. I'm also somebody who's told you, look, I tell the truth and I'm going to tell it to you whether it makes you uncomfortable. And it's just something I'm always committed to doing as your pastor. And uh, I realize that some of these truths I'm about to share with you are going to make you uncomfortable. And, and some of you might even be offended, but God has a right way and a wrong way to do things. And we got to make sure our identity in Christ knows how to identify the right way and the wrong way to do things. So I'm going to share some truths here in a minute, but I, but I just want you to understand it's coming from a place of love. So there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. First of all, this is the right way to do this. Okay, good. Some people are saved. You're... But that's the wrong way. And if you're doing it that way, our prayer room is open just down the hallway past the coffee bar. We'll pray for you. Listen, everybody likes a beard. Nobody's into a mullet. You know, you see the difference there. Just remember the example when you're going to do that. 
This one gets a little bit more harsh, but I'm committed to telling you the truth. Uh, but there's a right and a wrong way to do things, so go ahead and put this one up here. There's a right and a wrong way here. And you guys have heard my speech on this before, but the, the, we know this, that there's a movie called All Dogs Go to Heaven. There is no movie about cats going to heaven. And if you've seen the movie Cinderella, which I hope you have, as like a good Disney person, you should see that. But how many you know the cat's name in Cinderella is Lucifer? How much more do you need to know? Are you with me? There's a right and a wrong way to do things. And then the last one, there are just some people who can't be saved. There's nothing I can do for you. The prayer room can't help you. If you're somebody who makes the decision to do this, it's over for you. If you put pineapple on your pizza, there's four doors in the back. You can just leave now. You don't belong here. The prayer room can't help you. There's nothing we can do. If you put pineapple on your pizza, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I'm playing around a little, but here's the reality I want us to get, is that God has order for our life. There is right and wrong things that God has put and principles in place that, that part of knowing our identity helps us identify the way that we should go. Uh, God isn't trying to control your life with his ways and with his things that we identify. He's trying to free you. He's trying to get you to live a free life. I thought about it like this. A fish isn't being controlled by the ocean. It thrives in the ocean. Well, I wish I could be out there. Well, I wish I could do. No, you don't. Because if you get outside of these things, you're not going to live a very good life. And that's what God's promises are for us. Like, hey, if we can do these within the boundaries of what God has set for us, it's the best way of living. Do you know that a train isn't controlled by the tracks? It thrives on the tracks. Oh, and that's what God set for us, a track. When we understand his ways and his words and his identity, it gives us the best possible life. That's why we have boundaries inside of our marriage. That's why we have things that God said, hey, don't do it that way. That's not going to be good for you. That's why we have boundaries in dating. Hey, young people, you should have boundaries in dating. The scripture gives you ways that you should walk in your identity and things that you should be doing in dating. Why? Because it gives you the best kind of life. That's why financial stewardship and all of the things that God gives us in his scripture are what? To make sure that you're thriving in your identity in Christ. And it brings safety. That's the thing with it. We can bring our identity and it brings us safety. Philippians 4, 8 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, this is whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. And then it says this, and the God of peace will be with you. This scripture teaches us, hey, if you can get your thinking right, your identity right, then the safety part of that helmet of salvation is in play for you. The God of peace is bringing you peace and protection and order. I kind of paraphrase this a little bit just to kind of see how we should live this out. I wrote it down like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... So not false. We don't spend our time thinking on things that are false, things that are untrue. Why are we getting so consumed with all these false narratives and false thinkings and false accusations? It says whatever is noble. Well, what's the opposite of noble? Sleazy. Whatever's just sleazy in the world, whatever's just gross, some of the tabloids, some of the things you read, some of the just bottom feeding that we do, the scripture's saying, nah, get out of that. It says whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. What's lovely? What's the opposite of lovely? Hate-filled. 
don't, don't, don't spend all your time clicking on and reading all those hate-filled things. You know, we have a news cycle that loves to create drama and controversy and hate-filled sling. You got to stop clicking and looking into all that stuff. Amen. Whatever is admirable. Well, what is the opposite of admirable? It's honorable. Be, be, be thinking about things that are honorable. We want to be focused on things that are honorable. And it says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. So saying, think on the things that are praiseworthy. Well, how much time do we spend thinking about negative things? Oh, I hate that. Oh, I wish they wouldn't do that. Oh, we're feasting and thinking on all of the negative things and all the things that are going, you see what they're doing over there? You see what they're trying to do? Negative, 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 negative. No, no. Think on what is praiseworthy. Why? Because it makes your identity line up the way that it needs to, and it brings a safety to your life. Can I get an amen? It says, the God of peace will be with you. 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Then it says this, But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, our identity, lines up with God's ways. Uh, I'll close with this. It means this, when you wake up with the helmet of salvation on, it brings you identity, and then it brings you safety, but then these are the thoughts that you'll think with the mind of Christ. You'll wake up and you'll say, hey, you know what, today, I'm going to make sure that today I'm not living for self, because I have the mind of Christ. And Christ didn't live for self. He lived under the glory of God, but also for me. He gave all for me. We also wake up with the mind of Christ and our identity lined up with, you know what, today I'm not going to hold grudges. I'm going to quickly forgive because Jesus quickly forgave. I'm not going to justify my sin today because I have the identity in Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And so I'm not going to go around and make excuses for these habits and these things that are holding me up because, you know what, I have the mind of Christ and I'm going to put on my helmet of salvation. I'm not going to be anxious for anything today because I have the mind of Christ and my identity lines up with the mind of Christ. I'm not viewing others as my problem today. Many of us, oh, they're the problem. She's the problem. He's the problem. That's the problem. No, people are our purpose. God has assigned us to people. That's why we're still here. Go into the highways and byways and preach and reach and love people. Why? Because people are our purpose. And so we don't view people as a problem. We view them as somebody that God can use us to make a difference in. Or our mind today is, I'm not going to be a quitter today. I have the mind of Christ, my identity, the helmet of salvation lets me know that I can finish today. That he who began a work in me is faithful to complete it. I don't got to quit it. Are you with me? They, uh, we used to have these things called circuses, but those are canceled now too. <laughs> and uh, they used to train elephants, baby elephants, uh, by you know putting like a, a collar on them and then attaching it to a rope and they would take the baby elephants and they would tie it to a stake and so they'd stake that thing in the ground real good and then when the little baby elephant would try to move it would tug on them and it would hold them back and you know elephants are thousands of pounds but at a young age when they would try to move it would tug them and it would hold them back but they didn't realize as they got bigger they were far stronger than that stake and so as they grew bigger they would be walking around with plenty of ability to rip that stake out of the ground but as soon as that little tug would happen they would stop and they say oh yeah I can't go anywhere because of the stake. And I wrote it down like this. They didn't have a strength problem. They had a thought problem. Oh, oh I can't go anywhere because this thing. Oh, oh, I got this thing over here. Like, no, 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 you're stronger than you were. So many of you are like, oh, man, this last year was crazy. Yeah, but now you're stronger than you were. Well, I want to God use me. I want to step out and move in this thing. And then you feel a little tug. No, you need to be reminded that you're stronger than that thing that's trying to hold you back in your past. You're stronger than that moment. Can I get amen? 
our identity, we line it up with Christ. It brings safety and covering in our life. But it's something that you daily work out. It's the, it's the body and emotions, it's our soul and our body. We're continuing to make sure we line up. And that brings that peace, that safety in our life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray. You might be in here and you say, Pastor, I've never prayed the prayer of salvation. I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. I want to give you the opportunity to put your faith, hope, and trust in him. Maybe you prayed the prayer before and uh, you want to rededicate it. Maybe you haven't been living the way that you, God has called you to and you want to repray that prayer. We'll give you that opportunity. But Romans tells us what the prayer of salvation looks like. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What this is telling us is that if you pray this prayer and you mean it in your heart and you say it with your words, that salvation, as I was telling you, your spirit is automatically transformed. And you're going to continue to work it out. It's not going to make you perfect. There's all the other things that we talked about that we got to continue to line up. But it's a life-changing prayer that you can pray right now. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you, have you come forward or call you out or anything like that. But right where you are, we're all together going to pray this prayer and repeat it after me. But I believe life change happens for you if you pray that prayer. So if that's you and you want to pray it, pray it and mean it in your heart, and uh, it'll be great for you. Let's pray. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son Jesus and he died and rose again for me. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, whether online or with us in person, I want to let you know that we have a material that we'd love to give you. It's a free book. If you're watching online, whenever you may be, however you may be, if you text that word prayer to the number on the screen, we'll get your information. We'll get a book sent out to you. But if you're with us in person today, down the hallway, past the coffee bar, in our prayer room, we got a book that we'd love to give you. And it just helps you with some of your next steps, some of this stuff that we were just talking about, how to, how to live it out, how to make sure our identity is lined up and we're making good choices. And, and uh, we would love to make sure you have that and uh, get that in our prayer room. So thank you for that. For the rest of us, you know, for all of us, I, I just encourage you this week, you know, there's a lot of things you grab kind of on the way. You make sure you get a car key and a cell phone and hopefully something healthy on your way out the door. But nothing is more important than making sure you're waking up and saying, oh, this, this armor, I got to put it on. My helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, I got to be equipped, make sure my identity is right um, so that I can live the way God's called me to. Amen?